0: Shalom, and thank you for listening to sermons from Tikvot Israel, a messianic synagogue in the heart of Richmond, Virginia. Listening to the podcast is great, but we would love to meet you in person. All are welcome, and that includes you. So if you want the full experience, please join us Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for our worship service at the corner of Arthur Ashe Boulevard and Grove, in the historic synagogue across from the art museum. Can't make it in person? No problem. We are also live streaming on YouTube. Contact our administrator at tichvatdirector at gmail.com for the link during the week, or contact us on our website, tichvatisrael.com. There, you can also support the ministry, learn more about Messianic Judaism, and find helpful resources. May Hashem bless you through the hearing of His Word. I've told this story before, but once when I was in Israel, I was trying to meet up with a friend. And the buses in Israel, I don't know if you've ever been there, but they're notoriously like challenging to navigate. And uh, I kept waiting for the correct number of bus, and it never came. It was like, this, that's not the number I'm looking for. So eventually, I was like, well, you know what I could do? I could just get on a bus that's going the correct direction. And that's good enough. Now... This was a younger me, so I'm not gonna defend the uh, logic here, but this is what I did. So, I got inside the bus, and as soon as I felt like the bus was veering off the direction I really wanted to go, I got off, and I found myself at a large shopping mall. So I went inside, and I went up to a man at one of the kiosks, and I said just this, Efoani, which translated means, where am I? <laughs> Now, you can imagine if someone did that to you. If you're at work, right? Let's say you work in a mall. Someone just walks up to you and goes, where am I? So he said, Which means, you don't know where you are, I don't know where you are either, buddy. (laughs) Today I would like to focus on this question and two others that I'm sure we have asked ourselves from time to time. Number one, where am I? You got it. Number two, why am I? And number three, what do you think it is? Why did I fall off my camel? That's right. You thought it was gonna be who am I, didn't you? Uh uh-huh. But it's not. The first question is important because if you know where you are, you can get where you're supposed to go. This is why the current location button on Google Maps is so helpful. Or for the generation that's older than me, this is why the little star At the mall, saying you are here is helpful. No? Okay. (laughs) The second question, why am I, is important because if you know why you are, you can go where you're supposed to go with purpose. And the third question is important because if you know why you fell off your camel, well, I think it goes without saying, there's just a wealth of wisdom in knowing that, right? I don't even have to go into it. I'll go into it later, it's okay. So let's begin with number one, where am I? Have you ever asked yourself this? Have you ever gone into a mall and (laughs) gone up to someone and said, where am I? The experience of being lost can be very disorienting. Right, have you ever felt lost? As we've mentioned, it's extremely helpful for getting where you're supposed to be, literally and figuratively, if you know where you currently are. How about where you are in a particular process? Is it helpful to know that you're in the beginning of a process, or the middle of a process, or near the end of a process? What about repentance? The Lord doesn't move or change. So if we're far away from the Lord, we need to repent, which means what? Turn back to the Lord in a manner. It helps to know where we are. Right? So then we know where he is because he didn't move, we did. <laughs> Helps to know where we are. Can we pray? Lord, where am I? It's better to ask the Lord where you are than a stranger at the mall. I can say this from experience. And this brings us to the Parsha, or really just before this week's Parsha, to Genesis 25, verse 11. After Abraham's death, God blessed Isaac, his son, and Isaac lived near 'er Be'er Lachai Roi. Can you say that with me, or say it after me? 'er Be'er Lachai Roi. This is where Isaac lives. It's reasonable to assume that he lived here still a few verses later, in this week's Parsha, when the focus turns to Rebekah, his wife. So Isaac and Rebekah are living at 'er Be'er Lachai Roi. What does that mean, though? It means Be'er is a well, like a well of water. Lachai, what's Chai or Chaim? Life. And Ro'i is seeing. The well of him who lives and sees me. That's where Isaac and Rebecca are living. The well of him who lives and sees me. So the question is. Where are we? This place is a very unique place. And the first time it is mentioned in scripture, there is someone that goes there. And that person is Hagar. Hagar goes there to flee from Sarah. Hagar is an Egyptian woman, enslaved by Abraham and Sarah, who becomes pregnant by him, and who Sarah kicks out into the wilderness. So despite this intense trauma, Hagar goes to this place and is the first person to name God in the Bible. And she happens to be not Israelite, enslaved, and a woman. And she names the place after the name that she gives the Lord, the living God who sees me. God sees her, abandoned and rejected by Sarah. And the angel of the Lord says this, Hagar, Sarai's slave girl, where have you come from and where are you going? She said, I am fleeing from the presence of my mistress Sarai, which is Sarah's first name. Notice though, what's the first question that the angel of the Lord asks? Where are you? Where are you coming from and where are you going? It's a where question. Now, side note, the angel of the Lord in the Hebrew Bible is a stand-in for the Lord. We know this because sometimes it goes back and forth. It shuffles. It says, the angel of the Lord says, and then the person is still talking to this entity, and then it says, the Lord says. It's not an angel, but it's the angel of the Lord is a specific title and stand-in for the Lord himself. And some scholars view this as talking to who? Yeshua, right? It kind of makes sense. So we could say that Yeshua is talking to Hagar. Anyway, so the Lord comforts her and prophesies about her son, and the story ends with this. So she called Adonai who was speaking to her, you are the God who sees me. For she said, would I have gone here indeed looking for him who looks after me? That is why the well is named the well of the living one who sees me. In Hebrew, what is that? (laughs) 'er Be'er lachai roi. This is where Isaac chooses to live with his new wife, Rebecca, the place where his father's servant met the Lord and felt seen and valued. This is the context, this is the where of this week's Parsha. This is where Isaac and Rebecca are. Isaac has been through a lot. Remember the near death experience he had with his own father? That, that's traumatic. And Rebecca has been through a lot. She left the comfort of the only family she ever knew. Will you go with this man? I will go. And then she's about to go through a lot with her pregnancy and with the conflict between her sons, Jacob and Esau. Isaac and Rebekah are choosing to be where they know that God sees and God provides, the living God. Are we finding ourselves in the same place after all that we have been through? Lord, where am I? When God asks Adam and Eve, where are you after they ate the fruit? He's not asking because he lost them. It's not like, now where, where did I put those humans made in my image? They were right here by the tree of knowledge just five seconds ago. That's not it. He wants them to think about where they are. Where am I? Well, I'm hiding behind a tree from God why am I hiding for the first time in my life because I'm ashamed well why am I ashamed for the first time you see he wants Adam to think about it he wants Eve to think about it where are you I want to encourage all of us this morning to ask the Lord where am I and to keep pressing in past that question to the other questions why am I where I am which brings us to the second question of the morning. Why am I? To be or not to be? That is the question. Whether 'tis nobler in the mind to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune or to take arms against a sea of troubles and by opposing end them, to die, to sleep, no more, and by a sleep to say we end the heartache and the thousand natural shocks that flesh is heir to, tis a consummation devoutly to be wished, to die, to sleep, to sleep perchance to dream, aye, there's the rub, for in that sleep of death what dreams may come? when we have shuffled off this mortal coil, must give us pause. There's the respect that makes calamity of so long life. This, of course, is something I wrote, you know, just thought you might like it. I'm kidding. (laughs) Plagiarism. (laughs) This is Hamlet's famous monologue written by William Shakespeare, or as I call him, Billy S. Hamlet here is struggling with the pains and suffering of life, and he's reached a level of despair, wondering why he is. Is it even worth it to exist? Job wonders a very similar thing. Why was I born if life is so tough? And this brings us to Rebecca's question. Isaac prayed to Adonai on behalf of his wife because she was barren. Adonai answered his plea, and his wife, Rebekah, became pregnant. But the children struggled with one another inside her, and she said, If it's like this, why is this happening to me? Or, why do I exist? So she went to inquire of Adonai. The Hebrew of Rebekah's question, why is this happening to me, is uh, very difficult to translate. And the Hebrew is this, Lama ze anochi, Lama ze anochi, which you could say, "Why me?" <laughs> Literally, it's "Why this me?" <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why is this happening to me? Why do I exist? The ze could be a, an emphatic thing, so it's just, "Why am I?" It's not a complete sentence. What is the point? of this. She's experiencing something in her belly that she doesn't understand. Have you ever asked the Lord this kind of question? Why me, Lord? (laughs) Why is this happening to me? Well, if you have done that, you're in good company because many of the heroes of our faith, including Elijah and Rebecca and Job, asked the Lord something very similar. Now, Rebecca is the first person in the Bible to have twins, and these twins are already not getting along even before they're born. So there's some jostling in her womb, and naturally, she's distraught. One midrash has Rebecca ask around to other women, hey, is this the way it's supposed to go? Because this is weird. There's some sort of like turmoil in my womb, and all the other women are, of course, like, no, you know, they've only had one, so they're, you know, like, I don't know what's, I don't know what this is. It's not like she can get an ultrasound and figure out, oh, there's two in there. Or can she? Meanwhile, those babies are up in there, and what are they doing? They're arguing about territory. It's like the back seat of a car, right? Mom, he's on my side of the womb. Well, he grabbed my heel, will he pinch my already formed hair? Are we there yet? <laughs> We're not there yet? You guys know what I'm talking about? <laughs> so you're familiar with this. If you did not get some of those references about the grabbing of the heel and the hair, I encourage you to read the Parsha, because uh, it's, it's good. But anyway, in the Midrash, of course, None of the other women have experienced this. So Rebecca is at the end of her wits. So what does she do? What does the scripture say that she does? She consults the Lord. She seeks the Lord. What does he have for her? He's got the ultrasound. He does. turns out there's someone who knows what's going on inside her because he is the God who sees. So she went to inquire of Adonai, the first person in the Bible to do this. And the Lord explains, listen, this has never happened before, but there's two of them in there. And they are two nations, and that's why they're fighting against one another. Which I suppose is slightly comforting if you're the first woman to give birth to twins. Hopefully it was comforting to Rebecca. There is a tension here with Rebecca's and Job's and Hamlet's question. Why am I? We have no say in the fact that we exist. We get no vote in the matter. Nor do we have any say in the difficult things that happen to us. The Lord responds to Rebecca by showing her that she is seen. She is cared for. She is loved and understood just like he did for Hagar. God knows, he sees what's going on inside her, and he wants to explain it so that she can learn from him. And also we notice that Rebecca brings her difficult question to the Lord. Sometimes we don't do that. We just cry out, right? Sometimes we do that. Why me? We cry out in despair, maybe just to ourselves, maybe just to another person. That might provide some help. But ultimately, we need to bring our tough questions, the why questions, to the Lord, just like Rebecca did. That's our model. That's our model for how to do this. So here are my tips based on the text for a crisis of existing. If you're asking, why me? First start with, where am I? Am I in a place where I can recognize that God sees me, that God is my well of living water, that God teaches me, that God encourages me, God provides for me, the well of the living God who sees me, 'er be'er lachai ro'i. Is that where I am? Maybe I need to go there. Second, let's do what Rebecca did and seek the Lord. This is avodah. And as we saw last week, your avodah might not look like someone else's avodah. You can be a hot dog. And if you don't know what that means, (laughs) check out my sermon last week. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) It might look different for you. Some people enjoy journaling to seek the Lord. Some like to have a scripture reading plan where they read one chapter from different sections of the Bible. If you're interested in that, I have a little word document I can send you with like little bookmarks and you, that might help you if you'd like to do that. Some folks like to do what's called a chevruta which is a, a, a fancy Hebrew word for a study buddy, studying the scripture with a buddy. Some folks like to walk in nature and sing and talk to God and listen. There's a couple ways to do it, but the only way to get to the beginning of an answer to why me, why am I, is to go to the original manufacturer. Some car problems, you know, then what do they say? You gotta go back to the dealer. Some appliance issues, what do they say? Gotta go back to the manufacturer. So if we have a purpose problem, problem of existing, problem of why am I going through this mess, It's probably best handled by the manufacturer, the one who made us. There are things I don't understand about myself, about marriage, about ministry, about the Bible, about God, about suffering, about Israel, about my own Jewish people, about life. And some of these things I will learn Maybe next week. And some I may learn in front of Yeshua himself, as he just teaches me when we're face to face. But the Lord will show me. He is our rabbi. He is our teacher. He's the God who lives and sees you, and he sees you even when you're on a camel. Which brings us quite naturally to our third question, why did I fall off the camel? So in last week's Parsha, one chapter before, Rebecca agrees to go with the servant of Abraham, leave her family, and marry Isaac. And as she's coming to meet him for the first time, this is what happens. Now Isaac had come from visiting, where was he visiting? Hmm, interesting place, right? The land of the Negev. Isaac went out to meditate, strolling in the field at dusk. Sounds like he was praying, right? Then he lifted up his eyes and saw, behold, camels were coming. Rebecca also lifted up her eyes and saw Isaac. Then she fell off her camel. (laughs) Then she said to the servant, who is that man who is walking in the field to meet us? He is my master. So she took the veil and covered herself. Then the servant recounted to Isaac all the things that he had done. Then Isaac brought her into the tent of Sarah, his mother, took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her. So Isaac was comforted after the loss of his mother. First thing to notice, did you see where Isaac was visiting before this? The Drawing from the wisdom of Hagar and comforted by the living God, who provides and sees. Perhaps he was building a home for his bride there because that's where they were going to live in this week's Parsha. Remember, Yeshua comforted his bride, the body of Messiah, in John 14, like this. Do not let your heart be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house, there are many dwelling places, if it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself so that where I am, where you may also be. And you know the way to where I am going. Hmm, so maybe Isaac is preparing a place for his bride in the place where God sees and where God provides, the living God. Which is connected to what Yeshua is saying. Because we're his bride. You know, it's awkward for men to think about this. But it's, it's, it's an analogy. We're his bride. He's preparing a place for us. And he's comforting us. Just like he comforted Hagar. That was Yeshua. <laughs> Most scholars think so just like he comforted Rebecca. I see you, I'm making a place for you in the place where I see you, (laughs) that you can be with me. He's solving the where problem. Second, let's talk about this falling off the camel thing. I mean, what's going on here? You know, perhaps, this is my theory, Isaac is a stud muffin, right? And she is just knocked off her camel by his radiance. You know, the first time Sonia saw me, let's just say, it's a good thing she wasn't on a camel. (laughs) Am I right? No one's arguing. (laughs) I'm gonna hear about it later, I'm sure. You know, this story reminds me of someone else who fell. Maybe it was on foot, maybe it was off a horse, and maybe, just maybe, this person fell Off a camel. After all, the journey to Damascus from Jerusalem is 135 miles, and a Pharisee like Paul would probably travel on some sort of animal. Paul was on his way to murder Jews who followed Yeshua. Little did he know, he was about to become one himself. As he was traveling, approaching Damascus, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him, falling to the ground, maybe off a camel, I don't know. He heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? (laughs) It's a good question, right? I am Yeshua, whom you are persecuting. But get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice and seeing no one. Paul's the only one who saw this. Saul got up from the ground, but opening his eyes, he could see nothing. They led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. For three days he could not see, and he did not eat or drink. I would say there was a... uh, veil over his eyes wouldn't you say that so paul also known as saul was knocked off his horse or maybe camel or maybe he was just knocked off his duff from the radiance and the love of yeshua the lord the same one the same one who showed kindness and spoke to hagar the same one who comforted and spoke to Rebecca, the same Lord through whom all things are created. That's the one that Paul was blinded by, Yeshua. Remember what Rebecca did after falling off her camel? What did she do? She veiled herself. She saw her radiant beloved and it knocked her to the ground in a sense blinding her, transforming her. She would never be the same. And Isaac, she's just a person, a shadow of the Messiah, a shadow of the love and radiance of Messiah Yeshua that Paul saw. So why are we knocked off our camels sometimes? Because sometimes we need to encounter the intense love and beauty of the Lord. We need to be humbled at times, unable to see clearly, close to the ground. We need the love of the Lord to take us off our high horse or high camels sometimes. I've told this story before, but this was back in college. I had recently become a follower of Yeshua and it was my birthday and I was away. And uh, here I was feeling sad that no one remembered and also somewhat guilty that I was feeling sad that no one remembered. I was part of a small Yeshua fellowship, and as we were leaving a meeting, one of my friends, who had just lost someone in his family, said to me, happy birthday, David. And the fact that he remembered me in his own grief, it it knocked me off my camel. I was undone. I just started crying. And then another friend asked me, he was like, what's wrong? And all I could muster was, and I didn't understand it all. I was like, "I, I, I think, I think I'm just repenting. And they said, well, nothing wrong with that. I was undone by that word of love. Happy birthday. I was knocked off my camel by compassion from the Lord through my brother. So I want to encourage us this morning in how we ask the Lord these questions. Where am I? As in, where am I in my journey? Where am I with the Lord? And do I need to repent and turn back to the Lord and go back home? And why am I? Why me? Let's seek the Lord in Avodah, in prayer and worship as to the difficult questions that we face. And why did I fall off my camel? Perhaps to encounter the lover of my soul and to be humbled for his purpose. Avinu, our Father, we thank you for your faithfulness to us. We thank you for these beautiful stories of just men and women of immense trust who went through immense pain and trauma sometimes for the first time in <laughs> in humanity and all they had was you lord to guide them to teach them to show them and all we have is you lord so help us to to humbly seek you and to to work out our salvation in fear and trembling to work out these questions with you over time and allow you to teach us, allow you to be our rabbi and our teacher and our counselor because you are trustworthy, Lord, and you are good. And in Yeshua's name we pray, amen.